0: Welcome to a Break in the Action podcast. Here we'll take a break from the tactical and spend our time on the traditional, the break-action double-barreled shotgun. Join us each week for discussion and interviews centered around vintage and modern shotguns, outdoor pursuits, and sporting literature. So sit back and relax as we take a break in the action. Here's your host, shotgun collector, wing shooter, and sporting clays enthusiast, Ryan Dowdy. Hello and
1: welcome back to A Break in the Action. It's good to be back in front of the microphone after a few weeks off. I've been busy with all the non-shotgun related things that life throws at us. But I did get to do something really fun uh, last week that I want to tell you about. Uh, The NRA convention was in Indianapolis and just too close to pass up this year, so I took a day off to experience it. Now, first let me say that if you're not a member of the NRA, you should be. They do a ton of good work and they provide the unified voice that we all need to ensure that our gun rights um, stay protected. Second, if you've never been to a large scale show like the NRA convention or SHOT Show or the Safari Club International Show, you should really make it a point to get to one. I think this convention advertised that it covered 19 acres and attracted over 80,000 guests over the weekend. It was absolutely awesome. Most of that real estate was focused on self-defense and tactical products, which is okay, but there was plenty for the double gun enthusiast to see. Walking into the city block-sized main exhibition hall, I was blown away by all there was to see. Um, It sort of took me back to the days when I first got interested in shotguns. I can remember there were just countless manufacturers to discover. Um, There was over 100 years of production and just never-ending variations. Now, depending on where and how you grew up, you may have had a little bit more of a head start in understanding shotguns and knowing what you wanted and maybe where to buy it. I was in my mid-twenties when I decided I wanted to become a bird hunter. I can remember I bought my first shotgun on my lunch break from a local Walmart. It was a single-shot 12-gauge New England Arms break action. Um, With it, I think I bought a, a small box of five shotgun shells, drove out into the county, and fired it up into the air one time. Now I'm not 100% sure, but I think that that small box of five shells was probably high brass turkey loads because I spent the second half of my work day with a lump under my eye, uh, sort of like I had been hit in the face with a bag of coins. Anyway, uh, time went by and that single shot evolved into an 870 pump, then into an autoloader. Um, I got some hunting and shooting experience under my belt and then set my mind to finding and buying a nice double barrel. As with many things. The more that you dig in and discover, the more you realize how much there is to learn. And and learn is what we're going to do today. We're talking vintage double-barrel shotguns today, and my guest is Greg Elliott. Greg started DogsAndDoubles.com, contributes to several print magazines, and has been a guest on many of my favorite podcasts. Greg's a wealth of knowledge on how to buy, where to buy, and what to look for in vintage double-barrel shotguns. Greg, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Good. No problem. So right out of the gate, I have to say that I'm a big fan of Dogs and Doubles, the site. Um, I feel like you and I are, are kindred spirits in a way. Um, I think that you're one of the few people that I've come across that spends as much time as I do digging into the world of double-barrel shotguns and scouring the internet for interesting finds. And, uh, and in your case, just putting out a lot of really good information. So let's start with a little bit of background on you, um, if you would.
2: Sure, absolutely. So, you know... Uh... I've always been interested in, uh, in side by sides and over and unders. I can't really say why. Um, it's just something that, uh, when I was a kid, I was always interested. Uh, I was interested in guns for whatever reason that is. And I grew up in Connecticut. Um, and I lived in suburbia. My dad didn't really, my dad kind of hunted, but not really. He never, he never raised me to hunt. It wasn't a family thing. We never had guns in the house, never anything like that. But for whatever reason, uh, I remember the, uh, there was a store in our town. I think it was, this was back when like there was Woolworth's and Woolworth's the Woolworth's store had guns in it. And I remember I was like five years old, six years old. And I used to make my dad take me to the store to look at guns. And then we would go to other gun shops. I would find the locations of other gun shops and I'd make my dad take me there. And I started seeing, I remember I would, I found over and unders. They were a lot of times uh, they'd be out on the floor they would be used ones. And a lot of times they were like Brownings, old superposed and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, I always gravitated towards those. I was never really interested in rifles, never interested in pistols. I was always interested in shotguns. And then once I saw over and unders and then side by sides, that was it. I don't know why those took over, why those captured me the way they did, but they completely uh, you know, consumed my interest. And then uh, about the time of high school, we moved to an area where there was more shops that had that type of stuff. And then from there, I just sort of took off with it. I just uh, was constantly visiting shops and looking at guns and trying to learn about them. You know, this is all pre-internet too. So learning about this stuff was a lot harder. Um, But, you know, gradually I just, you know, saw a lot of stuff by hanging out in shops and it kind of took off from there. So I don't understand why that, 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 interest is in me a lot. I have a lot of interest. I don't understand where it comes from, uh, but for whatever reason it's there. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot to pursue it.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you did pursue it. Um, you've really turned it into a great resource for the rest of us. So, so give me an overview of dogs and doubles. Um, I'm sure that most everyone is familiar with it, but for someone who hasn't yet discovered the site, what can they expect?
2: Well, so what I'm focusing on is I, uh, I point out stuff that I see out there that I think is a, a good gun for whatever reason. It's probably something that's interesting. It's got some condition. It's got, you know, it's a quality gun. Sometimes the guns have really low prices, and I think they're good deals. Uh, sometimes they're just interesting guns to check out. I also, that's, and that's a lot of what I do. I also, uh, I do a lot of hunting. I do a lot of grouse and woodcock hunting. So I try to post a lot about my dogs. I have two pointers. So I try to post information about my dogs and about grouse and woodcock hunting and stuff like that. That kind of, that stuff's harder to do. So I do less of it. The most of the focus is, you know, finding good guns, talking about good guns, pointing out what's good about good guns and trying to help other people to learn about this stuff and uh, sort of spread the word and hear from other guys that are interested in things and help people uh, find stuff on their own. I get a lot of emails from people who are, you know, they're looking for stuff and they ask me questions and ask for suggestions and insights and stuff like that. So, and when I started my, I just kind of, I just was looking for a way to promote this sort of world when I started the blog. And, uh, geez, I think it's, I think I've been doing it for over 10 years now. And, uh, so yeah, and it's just kind of taken on a life of its own since there. Right.
1: Right. Well, so you clearly seem to gravitate towards vintage doubles. Um, Why do you think that is?
2: I don't know. So I like old stuff. I've always gravitated towards – I like antiques. I like things, you know, like I I, I like – Everything from I I remember I I used to like like beat up clothes more than I like new clothes. Like I (laughs) I want I don't want to say I I like used clothes, but I like stuff. I like stuff that was worn. It had patina. And I liked uh, I I always liked old cars, um, old furniture, old houses. For whatever reason, I've always just that's always just intrigued me a lot. And I think that's what the deal is with guns. For whatever reason, I just like the older stuff. So initially I was interested in it. I think that seed in me, whatever it was, was sort of pushed me in that direction. And then as I learned more about those guns, uh, that up until World War II, uh, there, was, uh, there was a lot of demand for side-by-sides and over-and-unders, and there were a lot of makers out there. And the guns, those guns tend to be tremendously, really high quality. Um, and as I learned more about them, sort of the quality of them and the history of them, is what intrigued me more and more and that's what got me into them more and more and more
1: okay so. okay so so someone that's just starting to look into vintage shotguns do you have any recommendations on what they should look for um, <clears throat> or is, is there an overarching suggestion that you might give or is it more specific to the individual that you're actually talking to
2: well so there 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 are suggestions there are overarching suggestions so the biggest thing that you want to look for I would say, first of all, you got to have a gun that fits you. Something that, something that you can shoot and you can shoot reasonably well. Because regardless of what the gun is, uh, you know, the name on it, the design, if you can't hit anything with it, you're not going to be happy with it. And a lot of older guns, especially guns made before World War I, the dimensions on the stocks are uh, dissimilar to what we're used to shooting today. So what I mean by that is, uh, the stocks themselves tend to be, I don't know if people, uh, used to shoot, uh, in a different style than we shoot today, but for whatever reason, those stocks, um, when people today pick them up, a lot of times they don't right off. They're not able to shoot those guns really well. They have, uh, vintage guns tend to have short stocks. So the length of pull isn't very long. And then they also have a lot of drop in them, which is, uh, you know, kind of a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, a measurement, it's a gun-fitting measurement, which basically relates to sort of how your eye and your cheek aligns with the, uh, the rib on the barrel. And um, so there are a lot of old guns out there, especially American guns, that guys today, simply regardless of the condition of the gun, you're going to have a difficult time shooting well with it uh, because of the, of, the, of the dimensions of the stock.
1: Okay. So is that for a novice is that something that you would you would recommend that they stay away from or is that something that a that a shooter can adapt to?
2: I think it's something to bear it's something to bear in mind and it's something to be aware of. And some guns so your standard so everybody wants a Parker or a Fox, okay? And Parker's and Foxes, you know, um, say a gun from, uh, right after world war one. So let's say, let's say 1920, that gun's probably, you know, a a standard, one of those is going to have a 14 inch length of pole. It's going to have right around two and three quarter inches of drop. So for most guys today, that length of pole is about, you know, a half inch to a three, three quarters of an inch is too short. Um, which you can fix, you know, you can put a pad on it, make it a little longer. And the drop is probably about a half inch too much. So um, I can adapt to those. Like I can pick up those guns and the way I shoot, um, it doesn't bother me really to have those dimensions. Um, and if I were to really focus on it, if I were to go and practice a lot with that gun, I could shoot it well. You know, And I, do, I, I have done that. I've, I've picked up those guns and I've learned how to shoot them. It takes a little different style. Like a lot of guys today when we shoot, especially people... If you learn how to shoot like shooting sporting clays, uh, we tend to we, we put our heads really hard down onto the comb of the stock. You know, we really lock our heads down onto them. And that's how we're taught to shoot. Um, and if you do those with these older vintage guns that have more drop in them, you're going to find that you're looking sort of right at the back of the gun instead of down the uh, the rib. So I shoot with my head really high. I hold my head up. And that type of style enables me to adapt really well to these, these types of guns. So when you're looking at these old guns, that's something to keep in mind. You may need to, uh, learn how to shoot them a little, or you just need to accept that you're not going to shoot them as well as you're going to shoot a modern target gun, you know? And if that, if you're fine with that, that's cool. And then, you know, and there's some people who can kind of go back and forth and, uh, I think for me, I'm just happy. I, I I'm not a great shot, and that doesn't really bother me. <laughs> so yeah, you know, yeah. Kind of where I am with it.
1: Yeah. So. so, so would you say that most of the vintage gun buyers today um, that you're talking to are are collectors, or are these um, men and women who are looking to for a gun to take out into the grouse woods and actually use?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's varied. There's definitely there. I actually think nowadays more people are interested in shooting the guns than ever before. And, um, you know, 25 years ago, uh, there were definitely, from what I've been told, there were more people who, so when you get into like your, like Parker collectors and uh, Lefevre collectors and Fox collectors, there were a lot of guys who were simply interested in building a collection of guns and they wanted to have uh, excellent representations of every grade and every gauge and stuff like that they weren't necessarily interested in shooting the guns, you know, and they may have had, and when you're building a collection, you get the, you know, if you have, you know, 50 Parkers, how often are you going to shoot any one of those, you know? Um, And that's what they're interested in. Most of the guys I meet today uh, I talk to about these old guns are hunt, are guys who are interested in hunting with them and actually using them. Um, I don't talk to a lot of the, you know, just hardcore sort of hoarding collectors uh, and then, and that's sort of a, di- it's a different, it's a different field. You know, like you're, like you're, like you're suggesting those guys don't care as much about how these things fit them because they don't use them. Uh, they're just, into, and they, they're into a different aspect of them than the using aspect. Uh, so, and if, but if you're going to use them, it's something, you know, you want to keep the, the whole fit and how it adapts to you in mind. But, but again, this is, this is a lot to do with American guns. British guns, a lot of British guns don't have these issues. So um, older British guns tend to have, uh, a lot of them will have longer stocks and they'll have less drop. Uh, for whatever reason, the Brits, I don't know understand why they were doing that, but they were. So you can, you can get out of a lot, you can avoid a lot of those problems by buying older British guns, which is you know kind of what I gravitated to after I went through sort of my American gun phase. And I realized I couldn't shoot those guns really well, as well as I could shoot, you know, British stuff.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, one thing I really like about your writing is that you're really open that you've made mistakes in buying guns over the years. Um, I'm a firm believer that that mistakes can definitely be beneficial. But for someone just getting into vintage shotguns, is there advice that you would offer on what to buy or maybe what to stay away from?
2: Uh, no, I think, so I think, you know, the the whole this whole vintage guns are an experience. You need to go out and see them. You need to go out and try them. You need to go out and learn what you like. You need to go out and learn what appeals to you and what matters to you. And then from there, you can kind of decide, you'll gravitate eventually towards uh, certain guns that you'll find out what matters to you the most. And I think what, 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 I guess the reason I've been doing this for so long, so I've had lots of interest, and some of them have flared out pretty quickly, you know, and it's because I didn't, there wasn't enough for me to experience. There wasn't enough for me to explore and there wasn't enough for me to learn, you know? And the one thing about vintage guns that the reason I, I've been doing it for so long is because there's always more for me to learn. There's always more for me to see. There's always some gun that someone sent me pictures of that I've never seen before. Um, and that's what fascinates me and keeps me going. And when I go to gun shows, I always, I always see stuff that I haven't seen before. You know, there's always something different and new, um, something that makes me reassess what I thought, something that I thought was true. I realized I was full of shit and it's not true. Um, and that happens all the time. And I think for me, that's what keeps me going in it. And so I wouldn't want to, I think if you want to get into these things, that's, that's part of the, what makes it fun and which makes it cool. You know, if you just want a gun to shoot and kill birds, (laughs) don't get into old guns, you know, (laughs) go out and go out and buy an OU Beretta because that's a great gun. It's reliable and you can kill birds. If that's your only interest, which is fine, just do that. But if you want to learn about the history of these guns, if you want to understand why they are, why they were made the way they were, how they evolved, if you find all that stuff compelling, if you like the history of them if you're sort of sentimental and you like the idea of, uh, you know, guns that are, you know, have been around for generations, they've lived lives. If you, if all that stuff motivates you and moves you, then get into the old stuff, you know? And I meet guys who are like, I know guys who are hardcore target shooters and they, and they, to me, uh, so I don't make any sense to them because all those guys care about is breaking clays, you know? And when you ask them what they're interested in, it's only, the gun that enables them to do that in the best way possible, you know? And, and so they shoot Parazzi, they shoot Kriegos and stuff like that. That's it. That's their interest. It's just like, it's a tool and how do I break clays? But for me, I don't really care about breaking clays. I'm more interested in the gun and learning about it, you know, and I have all these books and I'll, I'll find a gun and I'll be like, well, that's interesting. And then I, will research it. And I want to understand all that stuff. It's a totally different experience. Um, so it's just a different path, but I think that's what makes it so rewarding too. You know, Like I, like I was saying, that's why I'm still interested in these and other interests I've had have, have fallen to the wayside.
1: Hmm. So you've been buying guns for 25 or 30 years now, and, and the buying landscape has certainly changed over the past three decades. Sure. Um, in the past five or ten years, the Internet has de- definitely taken over. Um, <clears throat> but where else would you direct someone to go – to look um to see a good selection of quality vintage double shotguns.
2: So uh like you mentioned the internet. So first of all, um guns international, gun broker, and watch my site, dogsanddoubles.com. So those are three primary ways to find guns. And then there's uh there's a site in the UK that's a good place to watch. Let me bring up the URL. I think it's called it's called guntrader.co.uk. So that's another place to watch. That's a good place to look at guns, but you you know the uh, logistics of importing guns from the UK. is a huge pain in the ass, but that's just a good place to look at stuff and see what's out there. Um, as far as actually seeing stuff and getting it in your hands, you want to go to gun shows and you want to go to big gun shows. So I go to um, I used to go to a show called "The Vintagers," which is still around, um, but I don't think it's as big as it used to be. Uh, I'm not, and I, I, it's happening this year. I'm not quite sure where it's happening. Um, but from 2000 to th- 2010, that was a big show. And, uh, there were, you know, uh, all the major, uh, vintage gun dealers in the country were there and there are people from Europe that went there also. So that's where I saw a lot of stuff. Um, I was also fortunate that I lived near a couple shops that, uh, I lived near a shop that had a lot of stuff and I actually worked at a, at a probably the finest gun dealer, in the U S for a while. So I saw a lot of stuff there. There's also a show called the Southern side by side. And that happens two times a year. It happens in like April. And I think it happens in December or something like that, November or something. Uh, but the April show is a great show to go to. Uh, there's tons of guns there. You can walk around, uh, you know, there's that there's probably a couple thousand guns there easily. Uh, and that 's a great place to go and check stuff out i think there 's there 's a big gun show I think in oklahoma uh, i 've never been to it um, there 's a couple of others around, but a lot of gun shows nowadays you go to them and there there 's a lot of there 's a lot of stuff that 's other than side by sides and over and unders so it'd be kind of a waste of time. You might see four you know two or three really good guns, maybe four or five okay that 's pretty much
1: it yeah so so it sounds like to summarize all of that you're a big advocate for buyers actually putting hands on the guns that they're interested in.
2: Yes, absolutely. You got to do that. You got to pick them up. You got to see how they feel in your hands. You have to see it, you know what they really look like. Um, that's, that's what it all comes down to regardless of, of uh, the name on the gun or, you know, what kind of condition is, and if it feels lousy to you and it doesn't really fit you well, uh, unless you're just interested in collecting, it's, you know, it's pretty much useless to you. What are you going to do with it? If you can't hit anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're just going to, you're going to regret buying it basically. Right.
1: Well, as a, as a quick aside, what is, uh, what is Greg carrying into the grouse woods these days?
2: Uh, so, I can't say there's, so last fall I had a Merkel, a 12 gauge Merkel over and under, a uh, pre-war, pre-World War II over and under that I, shot quite a bit. It was like a really nice gun, double triggers. Uh, it was nice. I was kind of, I was infatuated with it for a little while. I've fallen out of love with it, which typically happens with most guns. I go through a, you know, I, I go through a crush love phase and then I get, and then I get rid of them. Uh, uh, so this gun actually, I shot that a lot last fall. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of it. Um, probably my favorite, my favorite guns overall The ones I'd never part with, um, I have some old hammer guns that I have had for a long time and I won't get rid of, I really like, uh, British stuff, you know, like quality British stuff. I really like bosses. Um, and there's aspects of those guns that it took me a long time to sort of, uh, to get beyond the fact that they're, uh, that they're a famous name and they cost a lot of money. To sort of understand why that is you know, and to really appreciate uh, what makes a high quality gun high quality and uh, for me the bosses they're they're pretty much at the top of the game there's not a lot that exceeds those but i've but I also I've had Frank cots I've had other guns that cost less that uh, are also very high quality um, so but as far as I'm kind of winnowing stuff down, I mean, I mean it, I'll mean, i probably end up with, you know, like a British over and under that I shoot and a couple of other British guns. I've been through a lot of phases. There's a lot of things that I've learned I don't like. Uh, so one of the things I don't like, so this is one of the things I like about a boss shotgun. A boss shotgun has its own ejector style on it, the boss ejectors. Uh, and when you open a gun that has boss ejectors on it, when you haven't fired it uh the way the system works it pulls these shells um quite a ways out of the chambers so they're easier to pull out and put in your pocket and if you hunt grouse you're constantly putting shells in your chambers walking around and opening up the guns and pulling the shells out and putting them in your pocket i'm doing that all the time because you don't shoot a ton you know it's not like driven shooting or something like that you just don't shoot that often so you're always loading the guns putting these and if the shells barely lift out of the chambers and like you have gloves on and that sometimes the shells are a pain in the ass to get out of the chambers. So uh, that's one of the little things about like a boss gun that I really appreciate. And then the other thing about them is just the way the guns feel when you open them and close them and cock them and stuff like they're very smooth. Uh, Those are the kind of things that I've uh, as you handle more and more guns, you sort of learn to appreciate those little things. And you also have less tolerance for those for guns that don't have those little things. So, like trigger pulls will piss you off. Like if you hand if you shoot guns that have really nice trigger pulls, and then you go to a gun that has crappy trigger pulls, you'll really notice it. Right. You know.
1: Right. Um, so so those are really tangible things that stand out, especially trigger pull. Or but but I but I remember reading in one of your posts about your handling a high grade Parker, an um, in Invincible, I think it was that most people would have considered to be a, a grail gun, but it didn't really move you the way that you, that you thought it should. I really related to that because it's happened to me several times. Um, each of us is individual in what we like and, and what gets us charged up. And and I think a big part of the fun is, is kind of figuring that out.
2: Yeah. I mean, and that, that experience that you're talking about, that's something great to point out. So I, uh, there's, I think there's three Parker invincibles and I've handled all three of them. They were at a, they were at a show I went to a few years ago and uh, I mean, many years ago, now that I think about it. Um, but anyway, so that's supposed to be the pinnacle of sort of American shotguns. And uh, I remember up to that point thinking, you know, that those guns are so incredible. And then when I actually ran into them and, you know, saw them and touched them and stuff like that, they, they failed to impress. And, A lot of it was simply because I had learned a lot more about guns and I had seen a lot more guns and I had, uh, sort of begin, I began to understand what impresses me about certain guns, you know, and like what you're saying, like you need to go out and do that. And, uh, it's a, it's an individual experience. And if you're really interested in learning about them, I, there's differences between all these things. It's not just, uh, it's not just sort of brand names and uh, marketing hype, you know, like a, a, a really great vintage boss is pretty much as good as it gets uh, for the most part. I mean, there's, there's some, there's some new stuff that's, that's up there too. Uh, but once for me, like learning what that meant and sort of trying to understand what uh, a real quality gun was has been a lot of sort of the journey, you know? And unfortunately the bad part of the journey is that there's a lot of stuff now that I'll pick up and I'll just be like, Oh, this is crap. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but not, not to say that it is, it's like, it's like anything as you, as your tastes become more refined, you know, that's just how it is. Like I, I have a 16, I have a little Fox 16 gauge Fox a grade. And one thing i American guns, I get sucked into sort of the romance of them all the time. And uh, I found this A grade a couple years ago and I got sucked into the whole romance and I bought the thing and then I got it and I was playing with it and I was just like, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that nice for all the money I paid for this thing?
1: Yeah. I I love that. I I laugh because I've been in that exact same place uh, about a dozen times So we always love to be on the hunt for a new double, uh, but it's not always realistic to be in a position to be a buyer all the time. Or maybe we're just kind of um, killing time as we're saving up for that next purchase. So what resources, aside from gun shows and aside from dogsanddoubles.com, would you recommend that could help someone zero in on the guns that might sort of um, speak to them? I'm sure that everyone's aware of the outstanding Double Gun Journal and short shooting sportsman magazines. Um, I know that you often tell about the education that you've given yourself um, through books written by some of the great shotgun authors over the years. What other resources might you recommend or, or, or point out?
2: Well, yeah, you mentioned that. So the Double Gun Journal, That's a great that's a great resource right there. And if you're really into this stuff, what you should do is go on eBay and buy yourself a collection of all double gun journals up to date. It'll cost you like five or $600. But uh, that's I, I, one, of the th- so I, one of the things that really helped me get excited about guns.
0: Wasn't,
2: it wasn't just that I uh, had some shops where I could go see them. Is that the double gun journal started, I think, in about 92. That's when it first came out, 91, 92. Um, when I first saw that at Barnes and Noble, that really that gave me a lot of the information that helped me propel me into this obsession with these guns. And if you want to learn about them, that's a great place to do it. Uh, shooting sportsman a good place to do it. Uh, you know, some of the other magazines, uh, I would, I would definitely, I'd focus on shooting sportsman, double gun journal. Um, and then from there, like you're saying, you just have to get out there and see the stuff for yourself. And like you can join like the Parker collectors, the Fox collectors, Uh, but none of that really, uh, takes the place of seeing the guns for yourself, um, picking them up, working the safeties, you know, just looking at them, uh, and really trying to study and learn what makes them different. Um, and I guess it's sort of the more you do that over time, you'll sort of, I mean, for me, I've sort of developed an eye for stuff. Like one of the big things, especially with old guns, you know, you really need to learn what condition is, what original condition is, um, what it looks like, how to spot it. And the only real way you're going to do that is um, by going and seeing the guns. You know, you need to go do that. But I should uh, I should take a step back, though, like uh, other books. I've uh, like anything written by Michael McIntosh is a great place. Those are all great resources also. Um, I really loved his. See, I'm sitting in my office right now trying to so can find one of his books. He has like, uh, there was a series of three books based upon articles that he wrote. Yeah, I don't see one of them, but anyway, anything that Michael McIntosh wrote, anything that Dick Venters has written, um, Stephen Bodio's, Bodio's book, Good Guns and the Good Guns Again, those are also excellent, uh, resources, uh, there is a book called, uh, written by a guy named major burrard b-u-r-r-a-r-d i don't remember what oh there it is right there i'm sitting on my desk what's the name of this thing uh the modern shotgun so that's a great book if you want to just learn about uh very technical aspects of british guns what sets them apart what's the differences between a dixon a purdy and a boss um all those types of things so those are all great resources uh, there's a lot of resources, uh, a lot of books out there about sort of modern Italian guns or sort of guns from the 50s, that that Italian era. Uh, the Don, the uh, Donald Dallas books about everything from Purdy and Boss to Dixon, all those books are also great to read. And I've, you know, plowed through all of them, studied them. Uh, some of those, books, like Donald Dallas is, uh, you know, he's still alive. You can send him questions and he'll respond to you. Yeah. Uh, so those are great resources, too.
1: Very good, well Greg, I think this has been great um, a lot of really good information. I, I know that you have a ton of irons in the fire, uh, but if someone wants to find out what you're doing right now where where um, where can they look
2: i've got there's an article I have an article coming out in a magazine uh, by an outfit called Project Upland um, so some of your some of your readers maybe uh, your listeners may be uh, familiar with them I' have an article coming out in their fall issue of their magazine which compares an original Fox A grade to the brand new uh, Fox A grade shotguns um, that Savage introduced, I think, a couple years ago. So I got that. I have that coming out. Um, I'm also I'm an editor at large for Shooting Sportsman Magazine, and uh, I'm working on some stuff for them. I'm going to be at the uh, Orvis Sandinona event in uh, September. I'm going to be there. I'm probably going to do some uh, a seminar talking about how to buy old guns. Okay. Uh,
1: Is that the game fair?
2: Yeah, the game fair. Yeah, the game fair in Millbrook, New York. It's uh, I think it's the third weekend in September, and I may. There's also going to be one in Alabama in November. I may show up there. Uh, yeah, and other than that, I just uh, I'm probably going to go over to Italy again to visit some gun makers, and I have a lot of stuff going on. There's hunting season coming up, and so and I'll, I'm always trying to. You know, whatever I've got going on, I try to, you know, post information about it on the blog, Dogs and Doubles. So,
1: Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Uh, Greg Elliott, thanks for coming on the show. You've been a great, great guest.
2: Great. Well, thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Have a good
1: day.
0: You bet. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of A Break in the Action and encourage you to subscribe. Want to hear your voice on a future episode of A Break in the Action? Leave a message ask a question or suggest a topic on our listener line at 317-489-0103. And don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram for more information, discussion, and photos. If you would like to reach Ryan directly, email him at action at gmail.com.